Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com. Giants reporter here with the bi-week edition. What we're going to do is I'm going to get to your questions. We're going to do a, a nice, chunky Giants after dark. It'll be real light. We'll get to some, some of the main topics. We're also going to keep it light. This is the bye week. Everybody needs, needs some downtime. I do as well. So we'll be a, a quick, short episode here. I'll tell you, I'll start by telling you what I know, what I've heard, uh, right? We're coming off a, a 23-16 Giants victory over the Raiders. A good, good win for the Giants, right? Nice, solid home win, beat the Raiders, grind out a game. Really, the, the only way that this team is going to win right now in their uh, current composition is to grind out a win like this. And some people, you want Jason Garagon. That is not happening at least at this moment, maybe after the season it'll happen, but I do not see it happening now. Joe Judge basically said as much. So you're going to move forward kind of with the same offense, same defense, same head coach, same general manager. Giants are three and six. And I tweeted this. They're three and six. But guess what? That's their best record through nine games since 2016. So, not great, not god-awful where they're going to be drafting in the top five, especially with a pretty favorable schedule in the second half. Right? They're going to win. This team's going to win some games. They're going to win about seven games or so. And they got Tampa coming up on Monday night. They're not going to win that game, but Philly twice. At Miami, they played the Chargers, which is a tough game. Dallas is a tough game. Uh, Washington, another winnable game. Chicago, another winnable game. I mean... Seeing the Giants get four, even five wins out of this second half of the season, not crazy. It really isn't. And key to that is they're going to get healthier. Okay, so Kenny Galladay comes back this week, came back this past week. So he's healthier. His knee is better. He's back. He'll be giving him, you know, two weeks now to rest for Tampa Bay on Monday night. He should be closer to 100%. Clearly was not there against the Raiders. Saquon Barkley, there is finally, for the first time since he's been injured, realistic optimism that he's going to be back against Tampa. Andrew Thomas, also some optimism he's going to be back. So you're getting your starting left tackle, hopefully, back, if not for this Tampa Bay game, but for the game after that. And your, your star running back, or supposed to be your star running back, clearly hasn't been that now pretty much three years. but. Still, Saquon Barkley adding him to that offense is a big benefit. Kenny Galladay having him at full, full strength, big benefit. I can make the argument that Galladay and Saquon were healthy together or close to what you expect from them for one game. And that was New Orleans. Because early in the season, Galladay clearly was not 100%. Saquon's coming back from the injuries. Those two guys, realistically, should be closer to 100% by Monday night against Tampa or worst case scenario, the following week against Philadelphia. That's Thanksgiving week, I believe. Yes, it is Thanksgiving week when they play the Eagles. So this will really give us an opportunity to see what is this Giants offense, right? Do they know right now the offensive line is just not very good? They have to work around it. That's why against the Raiders, you saw no deep passes really except for the touchdown in Ingram like they don't have time to do stuff on offense 
Daniel Jones was pressured on, I think it was 11 of 24 drop. That's almost 50% of his dropbacks. And that's when your team is running the ball well. They knew going into that game and going into games like against Tampa and good, good fronts. Philly has a pretty decent front. Um, the Chargers is going to be tough for them. Washington's going to be tough for them. Chicago's going to be tough for them. They're going to have trouble holding up and giving Daniel Jones time. Now, having Andrew Thomas back helps. They no longer feel like they probably have to help both tackles. So that'll be a nice little benefit. But still, this offensive line is at a huge disadvantage. Everybody knows it. You watch the film, you know it. When they play like a good, two good edge rushers like they did against the Raiders, they know they have to, their whole scheme for the Giants is built around how do we survive those mismatches, knowing they cannot block. They cannot block the edges at all. Right, Max, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, two really good players the Raiders have on the, rushing off the edges. Against right now, it's Matt Parrott at right tackle, who's been okay. I'm sorry, left tackle. And Nate Solder at right tackle, who's, as a pass blocker, has been pretty bad. Let's be honest. Matt Parrott, as a pass blocker, below average as well. Like, they're chipping and helping consistently. Like, almost every single snap. Where they don't like move the quarterback's pocket or whatever to, to try and they're doing, they can't just drop back in normal passing situations right now. Andrew Thomas will help that. The weapons will help that, will help them. So I think we're finally going to get a real gauge of, okay, is Jason Garrett really as big a problem as it seems? I mentioned in the last episode, Freddie Kitchens seems to be doing more in regards to, uh, Game planning and, and helping out with the offense. My understanding is that's probably even more on the running game. So Freddie is ha basically handling the running game of installing and scheming, scheming the running game. Rob Sales contributing the offensive line coach. So we did see a, a big bump in the run game against the Raiders. So that is something that kind of catches my attention for sure. So Freddie Kitchens, who... By the way, it kind of works with the offensive line, the running backs in the run game in particular. You know, the fact that he has, is getting, having more input in that regard definitely catches my attention. Uh, I don't think I mentioned Sterling Shepard, something I'm hearing on him. You know, his prospects don't look good for Tampa Bay. It looks like he's going to be out a little bit longer with that quad injury. So Saquon Andrew Thomas is, is optimistic and positive. Sterling Shepard, mm. Not so much. Going to be a little more time. But one more topic I wanted to touch upon here, things I'm hearing, is Odell Beckham. Because, uh, you know, as I tape this on Thursday afternoon, he's still a free agent. Probably will be for a few more days. Uh, and people had asked, and I think most people know if, if you read the tea leaves of the situation, that it was never realistic. But, yeah, come on. The Giants signing Odell Beckham Jr. Let's not forget for a second. Dave Gettleman is still in the building. Think back at what Odell Beckham thinks of Dave Gettleman. Okay, The guy who consistently said he didn't sign him to trade him. And then wouldn't tell him, even though everyone in the world knew, wouldn't tell Odell that he was actually talking trades with other teams when everybody knew. I mean, I had heard Cleveland Brown rumors for weeks and weeks and weeks before that trade. 
But Gettleman still apparently wouldn't tell Beckham in his camp that he was looking to trade him at that point. So that was never going to happen. On top of that, the whole money thing, the Giants have no money. Uh, they're stocked at wide receiver. Like nothing makes sense here. Nothing made sense of, okay, Odell Beckham to the, going back to the Giants. Odell wants to go to a winning team with a real high-end quarterback that has a chance to be, that's going to be in the playoffs this year. Like, where did the Giants fit into this equation? Literally, none of the categories that I just mentioned. Zero. They don't check any of the boxes. Not a one. So Odell Beckham back to the Giants was never really a serious consideration. Now, next year, if Odell becomes a free agent and the Giants finish fairly strong and Dave Gettleman is gone and it's just Joe Judge. Joe Judge has said before, you know, it's his job to handle personalities and players. He can, he can handle that. He can handle strong personalities. That's his job. So I don't think he would be against it at all. But there's like a long way to go to ever get anywhere near that point. So let's not even go dig too deep into that. Let's get to your questions now. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Let's get into our favorite segment of this podcast. It's where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants after dark. We're going to start. We have 15 here. A big 15 pack, okay? So we're going to start with Peter Fleming from Instagram. Please tell me that a few meaningless wins against bad teams in the second half of the season will not preclude the Giants from letting go of DG. Dave Gettleman, of course. Please tell me that. Please, Jordan. Side note, my in-laws are from KC and our season ticket holders for the Chiefs. Everything you said is spot on about uh, MCI, which is the airport in Kansas City, as the worst airport I've ever been to. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I don't know how you can even argue that that airport is just complete dust. I mean, it might have been like nice, like, 30 years ago, maybe 40. That's how bad that airport is. But yeah, I, I, I can't help you here. I'm sorry. I, I can't. I know you want me to make you feel better, to calm you down, Peter, and say, oh, yeah, there's no way they're going to win a few meaningless games late in the season and be convinced that Dave Gettleman has them on the right path with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. If there's an organization that can be convinced of that, it's these giants. We've seen it before. The Giants, even going back to the Coughlin era, like they were uh, hopelessly optimistic that they could turn that Coughlin at 69 years old with a roster that was completely shot. Like that was the way that like they were still going to turn it around. Like what world was that the right move? Like they they were heading in the wrong direction. They were a bad team. The roster was a mess. They weren't going to turn around. They, you know, they, they held on to Jerry Reese probably too long. They held on to... Uh, Dave Gettleman now too long. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can't help you. I, I can't make you feel better, Peter. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. 
Uh, next question. We got Eric Campen asked me, Jordan, what would you be doing for a career if not a journalist? Is there a difference between what direction you would have gone then and a couple of decades later? Is this iteration of the defense the last three weeks here to stay? All right. Uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be a reporter. The only thing I knew is I wanted to be in sports. So if like I wasn't a journalist and I didn't go this route and I didn't want to like essentially be Mike and the Mad Dog at one point, I was I would have had to figure a way to get in sports. So when I think about it now, and I would say and if I had if I didn't have journalism or reporting or radio as like an option at the time or TV. I think I would have looked at it and said, how can I get into sports? This is, I'm, I'm totally one dimensional. This is me as a person. I probably would have then gotten to officiating. Like I'd be like a NFL referee. I'd be like a, a side judge or something like that. Or an NBA ref. Or a soccer official. Or some, something like that. Because I always just wanted to be in sports. Like that's, that's what I like to do. That's what I like to do in my spare time. That's what I do for my work. So. In what way could I get? I mean, maybe, maybe like sports marketing, but I don't know. That's just not, that, would, that would have been another option. But I, I just see like being involved in the game is more likely. So, you know, official. How about that? All right. Another question from Instagram. We got Kevin McCaffrey says, love the podcast. Always eagerly awaiting the release each week. Question maybe a, a bit premature, but at what point do we consider the Kenny Galladay signing a bust? Giants brass knew he had been injured a lot the year before. So, so far this year, 19 catches for 310 yards and zero TDs. Okay, so, you know, he has a little bit longer to the question, but let's end it there. Get the gist. I don't think through half a season you should say it's a total bust. Now, is there cause for concern? Absolutely. Because the thing with Kenny Galladay was the injuries, right? Remember the Giants took that extra long time to learn about Kenny, the individual, and his injuries to make sure that they had confidence that he was the right guy to sign. They loved him as a player. But they had to figure if he was the right guy and if he was healthy enough to sign. And they decided he was. So the fact that we're at this point and he really hasn't contributed much is concerning. But let's see the second half before jumping to any conclusions. And this is also, I mean, there's another question in here somewhere about Jason Garrett. I'm going to kind of give the same answer. Like, it's hard for me to look at this first half of the season and say, why isn't he doing great? Because of the injury, right? Golly. Why isn't the offense doing great? Because of the injuries, the personnel. Like, look who's out there. So, uh, Greg Fitzmaurice, also on Instagram, asked, heading into the bye week, who would you say has been the best overall player for the Giants this season? If you had to pick one to go to the Pro Bowl, I'm not sure there's a clear answer. And I thought about this for a while. And I really had trouble coming up with anybody. You can't go anyone on the offensive line, right? I mean, forget any of the skill position players. None of them have played. None of them have done anything good consistently. Daniel Jones, no. I mean, he's been okay. I think you've seen enough uh, for me personally where I know that he could be a good quarterback, but he's certainly not a high playing at like a Pro Bowl level for a quarterback comparing to some other guys in the backfield. Forget it. Maybe Eli Penny. Their fullback. The fact that I, I'm probably going to pick Eli Penny is kind of scary. I mean, Leonard Williams. I want to say Leonard Williams, but he, he, he was he you know he was pedestrian for four or five games. He wasn't great early in the season. 
Leonard Williams, Dory Jackson, he's been good, but he hasn't exactly made plays. Logan Ryan, he's been up and down. I, I don't have anybody. I really don't. Just a pretty sad state of affairs that I'm probably going with the fullback. And that's really because I don't feel confident with any of the other options. So, oof, I went with the, a fullback. A fullback. We got Hicks021 from Twitter. Says, Jordan, the entire media knows Garrett's a huge problem. Is holding the entire team back and is likely to cost everyone their jobs. Why don't you guys ask Joe? Joe Judge is talking about the tough questions. Why not reference the lowest TDs, points? You all talk tough on Twitter, then pull punches. And it's, and look, I think about this all the time. Like, how hard do we go on the offense? How much do we blame on Daniel Jones, Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, and, and Dave Gettleman? Right. And when you look at it and you say, oh, my God, look at the personnel they're putting on the field. I can't go too hard on Jason Garrett and say, how come they're not scoring? Tell me, who is going to score points? Who is going to score points with an offensive line where you have basically two below average tackles right now? Right. Sanders not very good. Your left guard is, you know, a pedestrian player as well. I mean, your weapons are non-existent. They haven't played for the most part. Like, where, how, how can you go too hard on Jason Garrett right now? I understand. I have concerns as well. But at the same time, is let me see it with significant pieces on the field. Then, I can, if it's not successful, I can say, look, this is clearly a problem. But in the meantime, I'm sitting here saying, I think Jason Garrett's a problem. I think the scheme and the routes and everything are a problem. But at the same time, the personnel is just not good enough to make that final assumption. So that's my thinking behind that. Uh, that'll bring me into Tony Thomas's question off Twitter. Isn't Gettleman's failure to build a decent offensive line rather than any weaknesses by Jason Garrett, the real cause of limitations for the Giants offense? And I would say yes. I would say yes. I would say to me, that is the bigger problem right now. Now, maybe ultimately in the end, Jason Garrett's the bigger problem. But we haven't even gotten to the point where I, we can make that conclusion. So for right now, for me, it's personnel. The Giants personnel is not good enough. Not good enough. And that's why they're consistently losing over a four-year stretch under Dave Gettleman. The personnel overall has not been anywhere near good enough. And it begins with the offensive line. Still a mess. Ralph Aurora. Ralph of Bet24 says, Jordan, massive question. When you put a new roll of toilet paper on the dispenser, do you have it roll over or under? I need answers. Thanks. See, to me... I don't, I don't even understand the over part. It's got to be under. You want to be able to pull it under so then you can give that, that hard, nice hard tug rip and cut the toilet paper. Like I feel like if you're going up and you're going over, it's like a never-ending you know, act. You're just, you're just pulling and pulling and pulling, and it's not, it's not ripping. You need the rip, right? It's imperative to do the rip. So to me, the under is a lot easier. So you, can do, you can do the one-hand one rip on the under. Just go straight across. 
when you're going up, it's just really hard to go like up and across. Good question, though. The Fighting Joe judges. Uh, Osler Warren says, are you ever embarrassed to be part of a media group which targets a guy like Tony with questions that dig for negatives? How do you think the media is viewed by the fans when that happens? Well, first of all, let me say this. Kadarius Tony, I think we could all agree, made a pretty tone-deaf uh, tweet. Okay? So I don't understand what you guys are expecting. Should we just ignore that? This is the first time he was talking. It was on Wednesday. Should we not ask him about his tweet? Which pissed off a lot of people. Angered a lot of people. Came off as really, really tone deaf. To the point where his coach felt the need to talk to him. Again. So you think we should just ignore that? We should say, oh yeah, sure. You know, sure, Kenny. Let's just, uh, I mean, Kenny. Sure, Kadarius. Let's just pretend like it didn't happen. Like you didn't do it. Like you didn't have this tone deaf tweet. The Henry Ruggs situation. I mean, it was, it was a bad tweet. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, uh, you know, say the guy should be cut, fined, suspended, whatever. But, you know, if you're going to put something out like that, you know you're subject to, to criticism or at least, you know, worthy of saying you want to explain your tweet that came off really, really poorly. Uh, so... For the most part, I don't get embarrassed. I know there's people that, there's people in the media that, you know, I think ask bad questions. I ask bad questions sometimes. It happens, uh, you know, and look, I'm only worried about myself. I'm embarrassed if I ask a bad question, not if, not if someone else does. So, and the fans, fans are going to take, this is, this, is the, this is the world that we live in today. Fans are going to take uh, the player's side. Like you just, you want Kadarius Tony to be good. You really don't care what he does off the field and then you'll dump him later on and, and you don't give a you don't give a hoot about Kadarius Tony, but while you have him on the team, you just want him to go and perform and that's really the only thing most fans care about. And so the media is the enemy in this regard. And uh you know I was I made my point Don Don LaGreca the other day said on the air that he thought my question was kind of like a gotcha question to uh Kadarius Tony when I asked about only catching one pass. Like, he didn't talk after the game. Don't we want to know why he only caught one pass? How do we know if it's Jason Garrett? How do we know if Kadarius Tony was feeling? Maybe he wasn't feeling good. Don't you want to hear him say, well, you know, I was limited a little bit. Or, you know, I, I was being used as a decoy. Or I was being double teamed. Or, you know, like, this is the, this is the, the, the game plan for me. We, we tried to design some stuff for me. It just didn't work out. Like, don't, don't you want these explanations? I don't understand. You want these explanations until... Until you, you, you don't want, until a player gets upset about him, then you just, it feels like the fans at this point take the player's side. So, anyway, let's get off this subject. We will go to uh, Emmanuel Madrigal, Manny Madrigal. With Andrew Thomas and Zoe Carter coming back from injury, would Quincy Roche still be the starter outside linebacker? And will Matt Parrott slide over to right tackle? Fair questions. Uh, I think Matt Parrott and Nate Solder might go back into that split. You know, we'll see who's playing better kind of deal. Uh, and if not, I, I would be surprised. I, I still think they would prefer Solder over Parrott just because they seem to trust him a little bit more. So I don't think Matt Parrott's just going to slide over and be the full-time starter. Maybe he earns it in the coming weeks. But for right now, I think we're still at the point where he's going to have to earn it. As for Quincy Roche, again, 
They'll find spots to play them both. Use them to their strength. Maybe Roche will be used more as the pass rusher. Although he's he's not bad. He's pretty decent run. Plays run pretty decent too. So it's not like I'm I'm overly concerned about that. But uh yeah, I think I think that Carter will probably get back into the starter role, but you'll still see Roche a, a good amount, and it'll be like almost like a split between the two of them at this point. Uh, Anthony G asks, who wins in a cage fight? You or Don LaGreca? That was based off uh, Don not liking my questions the other day uh, in regards to the gotcha part. But, you know, there's a, a, I, I'm thinking more behind it. But anyway, Don would easily kick my ass in a, in a cage fight. I mean, come on. I mean, he's got some pounds on me. You ever hear him when he gets in one of those rants, he gets worked up. Like, I don't know. I, I can't do that at my, my age anymore. Maybe when I was younger, I had that, you know, in me. But I never claimed to be tough. I got into one fight in my life. It was like before I was, I was around 13 years old. And uh, it was actually right before uh, my bar mitzvah. And I get in a fight like the week before. And some dude did like karate and, you know, did a flying kick. And his, his hand came and the back of his hand came right in my eye. And I had a big red eye. It wasn't black eye. But I had the uh, blood vessel in my eye popped, and I basically got beat up in a fight. That was the only fight I've ever been. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't view myself as a much of a fighter or as somebody who could take many people at all. Uh, so I'm sure Don would eat me alive. Uh, next question, we will go to Matt Godecki, nine two two on Instagram says. You think maybe not making any moves at the trade deadline was an indication Gettleman is gone, not letting him trade away any potential assets for the next GM? Uh, the answer to that, I would say, is no. That's not the way I think this went down. The way it went down was there was an interest for Evan Ingram. There was not a lot of interest for Evan Ingram at all. Okay? So because there was an interest for Evan Ingram, right, the only player that other teams really wanted it seemed, was Darius Slayton. But the Giants were so beat up at wide receiver. Slayton's relatively cheap, right? So they're so beat up at wide receiver. Shepard's injured at that point. They don't know if Galladay's coming back. Tony hurts his, you know, has his gashed thumb and his ankle's still bothering him. Uh, they like, why? We, we don't know if we can really get rid of Darius Slayton. And really, what are we going to get? Are we going to get, are they really, they're not getting a first rounder, a second rounder, probably even a third rounder. For Darius Slayton. So uh, they decided it wasn't worth it. And then therefore you sit there and sit tight. And you don't have any moves being made. So uh, I think that was more the answer to why the Giants didn't make moves. Than that they're already moving on from Gettleman. Power Nap says, favorite player to interview this year. Uh, this is from this is Justin on, at Power Naps at, uh, on Twitter. And I would say that my favorite player to interview this year. Has actually been, I mean, Logan Ryan's great. I mean, he's just a stud to, to talk to in the interviews. He lights it up. But Kenny Galladay has been a very pleasant surprise. Like, like he just has this, I don't, you know, I don't care kind of approach where I'm just going to say whatever I really think. And to me, that's always refreshing. Like, I want these guys to speak the truth. It's fine. I'm fine with that. I, you're never going to see me. I'm not going to be the guy out there. And there's a lot of people out there that do this that criticize guys for being honest 
I appreciate them for the most part. Being now, there's times where you probably should deflect. Like, I'm not saying lie. I don't think guys, anyone should go up there and lie. Like, what's the point of this whole thing if you're going to go up there and lie? But I do appreciate guys that go up there and basically tell you most for the most part. And you you get the sense you you know it that they're telling you honestly what they feel. And there's an honesty to it. I'm not going to criticize guys for being honest. Like, I always, it drives me nuts. Like, Rex Ryan, people crushed Rex Ryan, killed him, you know, ran him off. As someone in the media, Rex Ryan was honest. Like, he said, I want to beat the heck out of the New England Patriots. And people were like, whoa, you can't say that one idiot. I mean, seriously, who in the world doesn't think that that's true? You think the Giants don't want to beat the heck out of the Tampa Bay Bucks this week? Like, who cares if somebody says that? It is so obvious. We want to beat the heck out of the Patriots. We want to be better than the Patriots. No crap. The Jets, when Rex Ryan was there, wanted to beat the Patriots and be better than the Patriots. Duh. And he gets crushed for saying things like that. Now, you could complain about other things, but I'm talking about the honesty part in that regard. To me, I'm never going to be one of these people out there criticizing somebody for being honest about something like that. Never. Last question. We got Chris Medina or Medina. Who knows? Let's call him Medina. Medina Medina. What's up, Jordan? Big fan of your work. I'm not one of these Giants fans who thinks all you do is report negative. That's all the Giants have given you in your tenure here. Shaking my head. Anyway, hypothetically speaking, if the Giants get a new general manager this offseason or sooner, and he isn't sold on Daniel Jones and wants to use our draft capital to get one of the disgruntled star quarterbacks, could you see the new GM trading Daniel Jones to the Steelers for their first? Since the Steelers don't have draft ammunition, the Giants have. Uh, the draft that you mentioned, the Giants, Eagles, and Dolphins all have to get Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. Uh, their best hope at upgrading dramatically is signing Aaron Rodgers if he leaves Green Bay. Also, not to mention the Giants and Steelers are basically family. Anyway, there's more to it, but here's, here's my opinion on the Giants going after any of the big quarterbacks. They're not, I don't see them in any way going after the big quarterbacks, unless the big quarterbacks just want to come to them. Like if Aaron Rodgers just says, I want to go to New York basically and starts pushing his way to the Giants, yeah, they should make that happen. But to go out and get one of the big quarterbacks, I just don't see any of those guys, or unless Russell Wilson really just wants to come to the Giants. Like I don't, and Deshaun Watson's not coming to the Giants. They're not going that route. But I just don't see that being the move for the Giants. Like, Aaron, how many years does Aaron Rodgers have? So you get Aaron Rodgers, you have a three-year window to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Like the goal isn't to make the playoffs. Never, to me, it's never. Oh, let's just try and make the playoffs, and and, and we'll we'll see what goes from there. I think that's what the Giants have gotten into because the way they won their two Super Bowls. Like, oh, all you gotta do is get into the playoffs. No, no, you have to build up a team. They had built up a team at that point. You know, they had built up a team that was consistently competitive and close in the playoffs. And, and getting, and you know, moving in the right direction. You can't just be like, yeah, let's just try and win the Super Bowl, basically, in the next two years with Aaron Rodgers. Or the next, Russell Wilson maybe is a little bit longer, but still. And he's going to be, what, 33 years old, 34 years old? I'm not sure that's the move for the Giants. I really don't. I think the likelihood is the new GM comes in, 
And he looks at Daniel Jones and he says, this guy's good enough that I can still win with. I think that's the more likely scenario. So that was a massive, massive Giants after dark. And I really touched on a lot of different categories there. So hope you enjoyed it. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. All right, going to do a real quick Jordan on the beat, then get out of here. Uh, Jordan on the beat is the part of this podcast where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, cover the NFL, work for ESPN in general. And I'm going to tell you the last few weeks have been really interesting in the media workroom uh, at Quest Diagnostics, okay? Because we've been peeling layers of onions of, off Ryan Dunleavy, the New York Post reporter, and finding out, you know, we kind we, we kind of knew what kind of person he was. But I mean, to say he might be the most interesting man alive is an understatement. I mean, we're talking about a guy who we found out recently had never eaten lettuce in his life. Lettuce. Never eaten lettuce. I almost paid him 20 bucks the other day. He wouldn't even do it. I was going to pay him $20 to eat a leaf of arugula, right? He's never eaten that, obviously. Like one leaf of arugula for 20 bucks, and he denied it. He wasn't sure he wouldn't throw up from arugula. So that's just the beginning. Then we got into his movie-watching habits, okay? What movie has he seen and hasn't he seen? A sports writer who has never seen any Rockies. He's never seen Airplane. He's never seen uh, Risky Business. He's never seen, I think I said Rockies, right? He's never seen Jaws. He's, I think he said he saw some of the Godfathers, right? Uh, maybe the first one or whatever. Uh, never saw Casino. Never saw Bronx Tale. You name it. Like, this guy watches movies. Because then you start going on to the romantic comedies, the Rocos. And, you know, like Notting Hill, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. Seen all these. Right? Seen all those movies. Never seen Rocky. Never seen Pulp Fiction. Never seen uh, Usual Suspects. I mean, on and on. We were just listing movies that he's never seen. And then they even 
funnier part is some of the movies that he has seen. <laughs> you know, uh, all those romantic comedies that you would see with your wife or girlfriend. So he watches movies, but has all these classic movies, award-winning movies that he's never seen. So I think it's imperative, given that this is an individual who has never eaten lettuce in his life, has never seen any Rocky, and is a sports writer, but has seen pretty much every romantic comedy, also com a lot of comedy. So he's around 40 years old. So any comedy, like the Adam Sandler, like any comedies like around the late 90s into, into, the, into the 2000s, He's pretty much seen those, like, you know, the Adam Sandlers, the Big Daddies, the uh, Back to Schools, uh, the uh, Road Trips, those, those kind of, all those kinds of movies he's seen, and the romantic comedies. But never seen all these classic movies, hasn't eaten lettuce in his life. I think we, it deserves, this deserves a podcast episode by itself in the offseason. Like, we need to dig deep into what kind of individual this really is. Unique. One of a kind. For sure. And uh, we spent a lot of time with him in that media room. So I, I feel like I, I need to know more. You deserve more from someone else who produces some of your Giants content. And he's generally a pretty good guy. I mean, that's why I could bust his chops and we all bust his chops because uh, I actually do like Ryan. So um, we will get into that, I think, sometime in the offseason when we're trying to kill some time and just enter entertainment purposes. We'll give you... You know, an inside look at some of your Giants beat writers, people in that room, some of the unique personalities, because there are definitely some unique personalities in that room. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, I'm always here for you. You know how to reach me. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, email, TikTok. Enjoy your bye week. I'm Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.